My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website, hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Thank you so much. Let's thank Olivia for coming up and and reading that and praying for us. Appreciate that so much. Uh, We appreciate all of our Jensen interns. You guys are killing it this summer, so thank you guys so much. And we have some guests with us today as well, some other uh, interns in other churches. Double dipping today, I see you guys. Extra spiritual. Uh, That's all right. We're glad to have you. Thank you guys for being here. Um, All right. Well, let me just, you know what, sometimes it's good just to get back to uh, an understanding of what in the world are we doing here? Have you ever thought about this for a moment? Like, have you ever thought, like, it's kind of odd that, like, a bunch of people just gather together on a day and then somebody, like, reads the Bible and kind of explains it and stuff? Like, go and try to explain that to people and they're like, why? Like, is it a book club? Like, what is it? Right? But why do we come together, right? Whenever Jesus was resurrected, he left behind a church, praise God. He left behind a whole church. And that church got together and they said, you know what? This is what we need to do. We need to, under the authority of Jesus, and because Jesus told us to, we need to get together and we need to discuss and we need to worship and we just need to be together. And so I want to talk to you guys and just remind you just at, briefly at the beginning why, we, why this portion of the service exists. Why do we even have church on Sundays? What are we doing? Well, we believe, right, that the Bible is the Word of God. Amen. Yeah, you guys are trained real well on that one. I want you to think about it real quick before you just spout out amen. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. Amen? All right. It is. And he has preserved it over time so that he can reveal to all humanity for all time what he wants to reveal about himself. He wants to reveal things about himself, and he wants to reveal things to us about eternal life that is offered through Jesus Christ. And these pages are also full of instruction on how to live our lives in a way that honors him. What Olivia just prayed, she said, God, I pray that this makes us look more like Jesus. Like that helps us, that, that says to us, we want to honor him with our lives. Like we know that we need to look more like Christ whenever we leave this place and whenever we walked in. So that's why we're here. That's why we gather on Sunday. It's a chance to worship God together, right? And thank him together with others for the salvation that we have through Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I love that. I love the portion. I love being able to come together with like-minded people who speak the same language that I do this Jesus language, this Holy Spirit language, right? With the desires, the same desires that I have, that we get each other on the deepest of levels and we can come in here and we can all worship and we can lift our hands, right? If you're not the frozen chosen, right? You can lift our hands in worship and we can say, God, you are worthy. And, and it's not weird. Like we don't, I mean, like think about that for a second. You walk out into Prospect Park, like how many of you guys are gonna jam the worship music and like lift up your arms and just worship? People are gonna walk by you and go, that's kind of weird, right? But in here we can do that, but that's what, our, that's what our heart wants to do, that's what our soul longs to do, is to worship God and to say thank you. And we have these awesome ways that we can do that and music is one of them, right? And we get to come together in here and nobody's gonna be like, that's weird. You know what, instead we're gonna say, I get it. I understand why you do that because I want to as well. I get that as well. We get to do that as we come together and worship and thank God for the salvation that we have. And it's also a chance to sit under teaching together, 
teaching of the word so that we know how to better glorify God with our lives. We need that instruction. How do we better glorify God with our lives? And that first part, the whole salvation thing, being grateful for our salvation, that's really what the first half of Ephesians is all about. We're in chapter six now, but we've gone through chapters one through, right? And now we're in chapter six, but chapters one through three, that was all like Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm just kidding. Why did that come to my mind? Right? That's what, that's what that whole first part is about. It's about, hey, this is our salvation. This is why we're saved. This is everything that Christ has done. It's by grace you have been saved through faith, right? We see all of that and we're like, yes, thank you, Lord, for the salvation that we have. And that's what we do. We get to come together and we get to thank God for that. That's the first, first part of what Ephesians is about. But then the second part of Ephesians and that second part of what we just said about coming to learn how to glorify him better with our lives, that's what the second half of Ephesians is about. Whenever we look in from chapter four all the way to chapter six, he's like, hey, God is awesome. He's worthy of our worship. Jesus is awesome. He's worthy of our worship. Now this is how we go and live. This is how we go live. And if you guys remember the verse that we said in chapter four, verse one, how he kicked off chapter four. After all the one through three worship stuff, he said chapter four, verse one, I therefore a prisoner, it's on the screen, in one, two, now, therefore a prisoner... Uh, for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Do you guys remember that verse that we read in chapter four? He's like, all the stuff, we worship Jesus because he's awesome, he saved us, and we owe God everything. Therefore, go and live like Christ. Therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. We need to learn how to glorify God with our lives. I am actually really thankful that God puts in his word and tells us how we can glorify him. Because what do you do with all of that? Like you, you're saved and you have all of this gratitude in your heart and you're like, how can I thank you? How could I ever thank you? And he's like, I will give you a way. It's called live holy. It's called live like Christ. That's how you can thank me. You can live and you can walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Do you know that that kind of lifestyle, walking in a manner, I'm pointing to the back, you guys are like, what are you doing? That right there, walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called, that is called living a lifestyle of worship. That's what that is. You wanna know how to worship God? We can thank him for Jesus and we can lift our hands and we can sing songs. We also go and we live it out. We live in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. And all that means is living our lives. Our lives should be described by, right? A manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Well, that's, we're going to, and I love because the rest of Ephesians, we've been looking at what does it look like then? What does it look like? And that's what he wrote four through six about. And what's interesting about four through six is God proceeds to communicate to us through Paul how to walk that way, specifically using various relationships that we have through different relationships. That's interesting because first he talked about, do you guys remember? He talked about our relationship with each other in the church. He's like, all right, walk in a manner worthy. This is how you treat one another in the church. Be unified. And we went through all of that and we looked at what it, what it means to be unified. And then he like gave us some other things to go through. And he said, and then also act like this. Don't act like your former self. 
like you've been changed, you've been bought with the price, so don't act like your former self anymore. Instead, act like you've been given the Holy Spirit, right? And that's how we need to act. And then he talks about another relationship, which Trevor talked about last week, between a husband and wife. He's like, hey, you want to you wanna know how to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called? Husbands, this is how you do that in regards to your wife. Wives, this is how you do that in regards to your husband. Well, today, we're gonna see the final two relationships that he talks about before the letter starts to wind down. And next week, we're actually gonna look at the armor of God. Everybody gets excited about the armor of God. Yep, they do, they do. It's like those ones, you know, that you just talk about most, like a lot, right? Armor of God. So that's a, that'll be a fun one. But today is, uh, today is, is amazing. And maybe you, at first reading, whenever we read this scripture, you're like, eh, like, does this going to apply to me? Like, how is this going to apply to me? It's gonna, all right? The whole Bible applies to you. So this is going to be really, really good. Um, so I want to look at the first one, the first relationship that he talks about here. Well, he talked about husbands and wives last week, and now he's going to move on, right? And he says in, in uh, chapter six, verse one, he says, children, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Yes, I'm so glad my kid is in the room. Eric, your kid is in the room. Yes, this is going to be good, all right? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is... Go get my daughter, as a matter of fact. Where? Get her in the room. Okay. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I love this. Now, this applies to you whether you are a uh, parent, um, a child, uh, really, on this, this specific word for child, though, it means like somebody who's dependent on another person. So it's actually talking about those who are still dependent on like their parents, right? Um, haven't been married yet. They're not out on their own yet. This is somebody who is dependent. And, uh, but if you're, if you're a parent, this applies. If you're going to be a parent, this applies. And so it supplies all across the board. If you have been a parent, right, then this applies as well. But it's more going to be like, this is where you screwed up and you can't do anything about it. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. That's not true at all. I'm joking with you right now. All right. But that, that's, that's how I read this. I was like, golly, I wish I could go back in time and like really kind of do some things over again. But this scripture right here, notice the words real quick, what it says. It says, children obey your parents in the Lord. I love this. I love that he added the kids here. And this is why, because it reminds me walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called, living a holy life isn't just for the grown-ups who have been given a life in Christ. It's for the children who have as well. Don't forget about them. Don't forget that God's called them as well to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they were called. Because look what it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, is it the parents who are in the Lord or the children who are in the Lord? It's the children. It's the children who are in the Lord. Saved children, think about this, were sitting in the audience as this was being read. In Ephesus, save children, save adults. They're all sitting in the audience and it's almost like this is turned to them for a moment. It's like, hey, we were talking about your mom and dad. Now we're talking about you for a second. We come up here in church. We have big church, right? That's what we call it, big church. Did you guys ever call it big church when you were younger? Yeah, big church. Uh, and, and we talk about grown up stuff, how to live as imitators of God. But being an imitator of God isn't just, like I said, grown up stuff. It's the child of God stuff. And a child of God has a large age range. And downstairs, 
right now and every Sunday, our kids are learning the same overall thing that we are. They're learning what Jesus has done for them and how to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which they were called. We want to make sure that we do that for our kids here. We want to make sure that you as a parent know that whenever you drop your kid off, it's not just going to be a bunch of like games and running around. That's going to happen. But it's not just that. We are going to teach them why Jesus is worthy of worship. And we're going to teach them how to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which they were called. And it's cool to picture, all right? It's cool to picture saved children in the Ephesian church, hearing all the things, seek unity. They should also be resisting the urge to live their former way of life. Mind you, that's a much shorter former way of life that they have, right? But it's cool to picture them in the Ephesian church and they just heard mom and dad, you know, this is how you're supposed to treat one another. Now the scriptures turn to them and to remind them, hey, this is for you too. This is for you too, kids. You want to know how to walk in a manner whether you're calling? Here's how you treat mom and dad. Do that. Obey them. But not only obey them, honor them. Paul quotes here, from the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, which says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. All right? So honoring your parents, honoring your parents means to hold them in high esteem. That's what it means. How do I honor my parents? You hold them in high esteem. You value them as your parents, to respect them as the authority figure that God has ordained for you in your life. So how do you honor your mother and father well? What does he say? He says, well, obey them. Hey, Ephesian children, how do you honor your mother and father? You obey them. That's how you honor them. Our kids, how do you obey your mother and father? How do you live a holy life obeying your parents? Now, let me ask you this question. Does obedience always equal honor? No. Obedience does not always equal honor. How many of you guys have ever been obedient to your parents without honoring your parents? Yeah. How many of you guys have been guilty of mom or dad coming to you and being like, you need to do this? And then you're like, fine. And then you like stomp away, right? And you go and do it. But are you doing what he's saying to do here? No. That's called being obedient, but that's called not, that's not called honoring your parents. So there's a way that you can be obedient without honoring and obedience without honor doesn't count. That doesn't count towards holiness. That does not count walking worthy. You cannot walk away so ticked off and mad at your parents and then be like, I'm walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling, right? I'm going to do it because I'm walking in a manner that's worthy of the... No, that's not. You're canceling everything out in that moment, all right? It does not count. Since when has God ever cared about your actions? He's only cared about your heart. He only cares about your actions if it's revealing what your heart is. Which, by the way, your actions are always revealing what your heart is. But he's only, like, God, we, we say this all of the time. It's not your actions that matter. It's the heart that matters. We say that all the time. But the thing is, is whenever your heart's in the right place, your actions will follow. Like, obedience will follow. We're not obedient to God because we want salvation. We'll never get it. 
We're obedient to God because we've experienced salvation. We're not obedient to our moms and dads because we want to be honoring to them. No, we, we honor them by, and whenever we honor them, we will, as a byproduct, just be obedient to what they have to say. If you honor your parents, that's what's going to happen, right? So, what's in our heart will show in our actions. And, and let me ask this question real quick. Why is it important that our kids learn to honor your parents? Why is it important that our kids learn to honor us? Why is that important? Listen, because if they won't honor you as their authority, how will they ever honor God as their authority? You see, this is like practice for kids. It's like, hey, honor your mom and dad, because as you do that, you'll also be learning how to honor me. Because we're going to tell them to do things, and then they're going to open their Bibles, and God's going to say, be holy as I am holy. And they can either go, fine, and walk away, or they can say, you know what, God, I honor you, so I will. I'm grateful to you as my authority, and so I will. You see how the heart works in that moment. So teaching them to honor you is setting them up and teaching them to honor God. So what about the relationship of the parent, though, to the kid, right? How can we walk as parents? How can we walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we were called as it pertains to our kids, all right? So if you've got kids, this is good stuff. If you don't have kids yet, just keep this in mind. Here's what he says in verse 4. Fathers. Do not provoke your children to anger. And I, I smile as soon as, as soon as I say that. That wasn't in my notes, but I know my child is like, like, are you listening to your own sermon, Father? Like, right? <laughs> Look, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them, I'm going to do better, okay? But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen, if your child is going to honor you, they're going to need some help. If your child is, because not, there's not a child in the world who is born, right, who, whose parents tell them, I need you to do this. And they're always just like, okay, because I love you, I will, right? No, like that, that is not their knee-jerk reaction to stuff, all right? Knee-jerk reaction is whenever you tell them to do something, and they're just like, oh, I really don't want to do that, right? That's what comes at the very beginning of that. So they need help. If they're going to honor you, they need help in doing that. And one way to help them is by not provoking them to anger by the way that you treat them, right? Don't just provoke them to anger. And you're like, well, what does that even mean, right? What is, what is provoking someone to anger really even mean? And by the way, this is fathers, but it's a contextual thing, right? Because of back in the day, but reading it today, we can read it as fathers and mothers as a parental figure, all right? So d moms, if you're in the room, be like, yeah, dad, this is all you. No, like this is, this is you as well. So how do we provoke to anger? Specifically in this context, this is so interesting. It was a, it was a domineering father that they were speaking to, a domineering father, basically someone who says, it's my way or the highway. A dad who walks in the room, completely arrogant, completely prideful. They don't listen to the kid. They don't want to have, they don't want to, they don't want to hear it, right? They just walk into the room and, and it's their way. It's like an iron fist that they're ruling with, right? They have no empathy towards their kids. They just want to rule them basically. 
That's what he's saying. What happens whenever you live that way? What happens when you're a parent and you live that way towards your child? Is your child going to be provoked to anger? Yeah. Yeah, your child's going to be provoked to anger. And remember, they're already bent towards that anyways. They're already bent towards disrespect and dishonor. So don't help them go that way. We have to help them come back the other way. Have you ever told your kid, or maybe you, you have been a kid and were told this, um, whenever, you, whenever your kid comes to you and they're like, why? And you say something like, because I said to, that's why. Case closed. That's it. I don't owe you an explanation. Just do it because I told you to do it, right? And the child isn't like coming up to you and like questioning your authority. It's that moment that the child's like, teach me. And they're just saying, hey, like, why, why, are, why are we doing it that way? Like, why, why are you doing that? And, and if a dad shuts them off so fast and just says, why don't you shut your mouth? Just do it the way that I told you to do it and stop asking questions. That is provoking your child to anger. That is having a domineering attitude towards your children. Look, parents, I understand. I understand that there are moments in our lives where we're frustrated, where we're tired, where we've had a day of it. And we come home and, you know, maybe kids are fighting or, you know, whatever. And you're just trying to unpack from your brain what happened that day, whatever it was that happened. I understand that sometimes it's very easy to be short with our kids. I understand that. It's going to be a temptation. If you're not a parent yet, it's going to be a temptation to be short with your kids. But we need to walk in a way, in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we've been called. And that is not being short with our children. That is not being domineering with our children. That is living with them in an understanding way about who they are, right? Look at how instead we're to lead them though in those scriptures. It says, but bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It's our job to bring discipline and instruction to our kids. As parents, it's our job to bring discipline and instruction to our kids. He's not talking about discipline like spankings, all right? How many got spanked whenever you were a kid? Anybody? Me too. He's not talking about that. He's talking about like the disciplines like as in like um, instruction, like help them live a disciplined life, right? So he's saying, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It's our job, right? To bring that. Not, we don't command our kids. There's a difference between doing that, right? One is teaching. The other is taunting. We do not want to taunt. We want to teach. But I do want us to see this very important part. Where does our instruction come from? Bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. That's what we're supposed to bring discipline. That's where it's supposed, the discipline's supposed to come from. That's where the instruction is supposed to come from. It's supposed to come from the Lord. Parents, I know that there are a bajillion parenting ideas on earth. There's some whacked out parenting ideas on this planet. A lot of them exist in Park Slope. Sometimes I'm looking at some of these parents and this kid is throwing a fit and they're on a stoop in front of everybody and they are screaming and they are yelling at their parent and their parent is looking at them going, love, just tell me what it is. What is it? I'd be like, this is what it is, right? Like that's what it is. That's what they need in the moment. Anyways, but like there's there. And look, I'm sure they read like the New York Times bestseller little book, the newest one, right? That came out and you're like, listen to your kids. And everybody's like, that's what we need to do. Are you sure? Have you seen your kids? Like, is that what you need to do? Right? I don't think so. Right? Like there are so many things that we can look at different philosophies on how to parent, what to teach, 
lots of books, lots of opinions, but write this down. Nothing beats a parent who is in the word daily, who then pours out what they are learning to their kids. That's the best parenting you could ever have. Look, people are like, hey, I wish these kids came with a manual. You ever heard that before? Wish these kids came with an instruction manual. They, ah, what? Look at this. What? Oh, careful. That's what this is, guys. Like, this teaches us how to parent our kids. That's what this is. Parent, you will not be able to teach and instruct your children in the Lord if you yourself are not being taught and instructed by the Lord. You won't be able to do it. You have to be in the Word. You have to be digging in. You've got to be there every day because you cannot teach your kids something you don't know. You have to be in there, all right? Kids, walk in a manner worthy towards your parents. Parents, walk in a manner worthy towards your kids. This is how God says to live. This is what he says honors him whenever it comes to that department. And so you can see the heart behind that message right there, the heart behind why that was written right there, right? And that applies to, that applies to all of us. Now, he goes on to this second relationship, right, that he, that's brought up here in Scripture. So I just want to read it real quick, and then we'll talk about it for a moment. It's verse 5 through 9. He says this, bond servants. How many of you guys' this translation says slaves? Raise your hand. Bye. I just had a Garth Brooks song go through my head. The thunder rolls. I'm just kidding. Sorry. It's country in me, all right? I'm from Oklahoma, okay? Here's what it says. Some of you says slaves, right? Some of the ESV says bondservants. It says this, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same thing to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. All right, immediately, immediately we need to talk about context here, okay? We need to talk about context. I have gotten in so many conversations and debates with people who want to slam Christianity because it promotes slavery, all right? So many conversations with people and they're, because they want to use that to further another agenda. But they're like, you know, I mean, the Bible talks about slavery and there were so many Christians who had slaves and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? You're right. Like that is a thing. And you know what it was? A bunch of Christians who didn't understand their Bibles. They're the ones that did. But what's important for us to understand right now is contextually speaking, when they read the word slaves in this book in Ephesians and we read the word slaves, we are not using the same word. It's a completely different word. All right? And that's something that we definitely need to understand. Scripture is not condoning slavery. All right? Again, although Christians have used it in order to do that, in our country they've used it, but also Christians have used this passage to abolish slavery as well. Well, that's odd. How can you use it to defend slavery yet also use it to abolish slavery? Well, if you understand what it's saying, then you're going to go towards the abolish part. Because you got to understand the same level that he's putting people on in this, all right? In our context, we hear the word slave, we think oppression, we think injustice, we think unfairness, inequality, and 
outright evil, right? And I want you to know something. God and the Bible completely agree with you. Completely agree with that. We, what we know of slavery, as we've read in our history books, is all of those things. The kidnapping of people, forcing them to labor just because of their nationality or the color of their skin. And it's absolutely not condoned in the Bible. In fact, I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures that it's actually strongly condemned in the Bible. Look at Exodus chapter 21, verse 16 real quick. Exodus 21. Did I not put that one in there? Exodus 21, 16. Here's what it says. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Shall be put to death. Oh, there you go. Thank you so much. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 10. It says this, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane. He's talking about the unholy here, the profane here, for those who strike their fathers and mothers. Oh, we just went over that. For murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality. What's this word? Enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. You know what enslavers describes? It describes somebody who's unholy. It, it describes somebody who's profane. And it describes somebody who is living in contrary to sound doctrine. What is an enslaver? It's somebody who is a man stealer. That's what he's talking about right there. When we hear the word slave in our context, we automatically think man stealer. But the Ephesians, when they heard this scripture, they were not thinking in our context. When Paul wrote this, he was not thinking in our context. All right? So, back then, let's get some context for this. It was very common for someone who was down on their luck, who was homeless, who was poor, who was destitute with no hope for their family. Imagine being in charge of your family. Imagine having all these people that are dependent on you and you are unable to find work for whatever reason. All right. It's, it's something that you do not want to have happen to you, but it's very common for them to enter into an agreement with someone and basically sell themselves into their debt. That was something that was extremely, extremely common back then. We're talking like so many people in the Roman Empire lived this way. So many people who were down on their luck would sell themselves into somebody else's debt. So many people had slaves in that manner, in that, in that bond servant manner, all right? In other words, they would work as a servant, also known as a slave, in exchange for provisions for their family. And this happened in every race. It happened in every nationality. It happened in every color of skin. This was a way of life back then. And Paul's just talking about a way of life and he's wanting to talk about how they're supposed to treat one another as they live this way of life, all right? So this isn't a sermon necessarily on slavery and how it's a sinful thing and abolishment and all of those things because that's not what Paul's trying to say here. He's, he's not like, he, this portion of Ephesians, if all we did was stop here and talk about slavery, we wouldn't be talking about why he wrote this. Because that's not why he wrote this, all right? So I want to talk about the heart behind why it is 
what he said, what, what the reason is for what, what he said, right? Now, knowing that about them, knowing that there were people who were destitute, who were needing help, and they sold their, themselves into the debt of someone else, let me ask you guys this question. Do you think, even though that sounds good on the outside, <laughs> do you think that that became an abused thing, or do you think it was awesome the whole time? Oh, it became extremely abused. It became something that was not what it was originally intended to be. In fact, you had, you had slaves who, well, you had masters who were domineering over, over the people and they didn't treat them like people anymore. They started treating them as property instead. And so they would just do basically anything they wanted to them. Why? Because they were in their debt anyways. They couldn't get out. So you can see how a depraved mind could abuse that situation. But then you also had bond servants. You also had slaves that their, ma like their master was treating them in that way. Well, then what's your reaction going to be? Are you going to be like, yes, sir, and go and do your, like, no, that's not going to be what you're going to do at all. If you're being abused, well, then you're going to react in that way as well. So you had just this chaotic mess that was even existing in the church. Are you guys aware that even in the church, like in, he would not be talking about this if this didn't exist within people in the church. Like he's writing to the church here. He's like, hey, you Christians, you, though, you who have given your life to Christ and have been set apart and been changed and that heart of stone has been taken out, you've been given a heart of flesh, like you are standing here righteous because of the blood of Jesus. This is how, like there are masters that are sitting in this congregation. There are slaves that are sitting in this congregation and they're sitting next to each other. They're all in the same room. Like he's talking to all of them in this moment, he's speaking to a culture. And he's like, there is something wrong with your hearts. This is something that needs to be fixed because you've seen it modeled like this in the world around you. And some of you are modeling it like that as believers. And that is not how, that is not how you're supposed to act. That is not walking in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you were called. So we cannot use this context of slavery in this passage and put it into our context, all right? And I like that the, I like that the ESV translates it bondservant because when you're reading at that, you automatically want to go, oh, what is that? What's a bondservant? But when you read slave, you automatically want to put like your context into it and take what you've learned about slavery and put that, you know, like from your U.S. history class and put that in there. So if you want to use that word bondservant, and you can even do a, a word search and study on that. It's actually pretty awesome. So Real quick, let's look into the heart of why Paul is saying what he's saying here, all right? We're going to read this again, but I want you to imagine something as we do. I want you to imagine this being read in the context that we just talked about. Imagine that for a second in the culture we just said. Imagine who's hearing this. Picture them in your mind. Picture this room full of Christians, some who are slave owners, slave masters, some who are slaves themselves. And both are in the same room as equals. Both of them are in the room as believers and as children of God. And this is something that's an incredibly beautiful picture that only the gospel can accomplish. It's something unheard of. And it reminds me of Galatians 3.28, which says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is there, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see what the gospel does? It doesn't let one person be above another. The gospel says we are all equal at the cross. 
every single one of us. And as we looked at in chapter 3, the gospel erases divisible lines that have been drawn between human beings. There is no social class. There is no racial divide. And I took this out of my notes because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have time to say this, but it's a beautiful thing. And it's a really good image to, to help you guys see this. But I just came back from India. So a lot of my stories are going to be like, in India, all right, so everybody calm down. But whenever I was there, all right, you guys understand that, that in India, there's a, there's a caste system. Have you guys heard of that before? Okay. So you have like this top, the top of the caste system. I don't know how many castes there are. There's a ton. But there's the top of the caste system, right? And that's like the people who are just above all things. They walk in, they get any job they want, and they know who they are because they have like a last name and people are like, ah, that top caste system is called the Brahmin caste. And like, if you're part of a Brahmin caste, you got it going on. But then there are so many caste systems below that. And the lower you are on the caste system, the, the least you are considered in the culture. Like you can only have certain jobs and they're like not the good jobs, all right? And then you have the bottom of the class system and the, and the way that the bottom class system, the translation for it is dung, all right? D-U-N-G, dung. That's the lowest class system, all right? And those are the people, like whenever you're looking out, those are the people that you're gonna see. And I saw so many of these people who were living on the street, who were bathing in the middle of the street, going to the restroom in the street. Like whenever you look at them, people go, yeah, they're part of that caste system. And if that person wants to walk into or associate with somebody from a higher caste system, no, that's frowned upon. You want to know something that's beautiful? We were standing in a room in a house church. And we brought this verse up right here. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And what was spoken to them in that moment is we said, there is no caste system at the cross. There is no better person. There is no lesser than person. Guys, I'm not even joking. We hear that and we go, amen. There were tears in their eyes because of how they live, because of the freedom that came from being a believer, from all being on the same level playing field. To, for them to hear, hey, that Brahmin person, they've heard the whole, their whole entire life, that person is better than you are, you're trash. The Christian walks in and goes, no, you are made in the image of God. And you're just as valuable as somebody from the toppest tier. Because that's good news for someone. That's good news for someone. Guys, he, that's, this is essentially what he's saying. This is essentially what he's telling them in this. Here's what he says. Here's what their instruction is. He says in verse five, bond servants, slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Can you imagine yourself in the room in the moment? Can you imagine yourself sitting in the context for a moment? I mean, put yourself in anybody's shoes. Put yourself in a slave's shoe. Put yourself in a master's shoe in this moment. Bond servants, here's what he says. Like you expect him to say something else. You, you expect like... Something else that sounds more like the culture, but this sounds so counter-cultural. He says, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Can you imagine what the first person is going to say? Yeah, but you don't know how he treats me. You don't know, you don't know, like, there's no way he deserves for me to treat him like that. There's no way that that should happen. Like, Paul is shaking up the world 
whenever he says these things, right? The relationship historically between bondservant and master, it was not a good one. And they're all in the room. I don't know if it was awkward. I don't know. But it was stereotypically at odds. The master wasn't good to the bondservant. And the bondservant therefore had disdain for the master. And God has a word for the bondservant. He says, hey, that's not walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Like acting that way towards that person is not walking in a manner. That's not how you should do it. The God-honoring way to live is by honoring the one you are indebted to, especially since you are brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, he takes it a step further and he says, obey them as you would Christ. What? Wow. And then he goes on and he says, he says specifically, not by, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. What does he mean to obey by the way of eye service and people pleasers? It means, it means obeying only when they're watching. That's what that means. You guys know people like that, right? You guys have probably, I mean, let's say that you um, owned a company, all right? Pretend company, whatever it is in your mind. It's a bakery, all right? We own a bakery. We're on Fifth Ave, all right? And we walk in and we hire these people. Like, we put our blood, sweat, and tears into this bakery. We're so passionate about tartlets, okay? Making this up as we go. And we're there. We're like, man, my heart, my everything, it's in. I'm there. And then we start hiring people. And we're like, all right, let's get some employees. What do we want them to be? Passionate about tartlets. What are they probably not gonna be? Passionate about tartlets, all right? Like more than likely, you're gonna, you're gonna hire someone and they're just gonna do their job, right? But the person that you don't want in your business is the one that whenever you walk in and they're like, hey, and they're like doing all the things and you're like, wow, that employee is awesome. And then whenever you leave, like people are complaining, customers are like, well, that person was on their phone whenever I walked in, they didn't even want to like, you know, just even talk to me at all. Like I actually had to ring a bell and the person was sitting right in front of my face and, and other coworkers are like, yeah, they never do what they're supposed to do. They only do it whenever you walk into the room. That right there is what's called living by way of eye service and just being a people pleaser. That's it. And he's saying, that's what you used to do. He's like, no, he actually he's saying, that's what you're tempted to do. As a slave, that's what you're tempted to do, is just do it that way. Whenever they walk in so that you kind of stay at it, he's like, but who are you when no one's looking? Who are you whenever no one's looking? How obedient are you when no one is looking, right? And again, it's just like with the child obeying the parent. It's more than just obedient. It's the, it's, it's the heart behind it. He's like, don't just be obedient. Honor them. He's saying, the honoring obedience toward the one you are in debt to is how you do the will of God from the heart. And you aren't doing it for them. You're doing it for the Lord because he's the one who asked you to live this way. And he says, and God will reward you for it. And notice he doesn't say treat your master this way only if he treats you with respect. It says how you're to treat them, period. And I just want to bring this into practical application for us because you're like, see, what does this even have to do with my life? Guys, remember the heart behind this is what we're after. We're after the heart behind this, okay? We may not have masters, but we do have bosses. 
We do have people above us, right? I want you to think about this for a second. If you are an employee Christian, this is how you employee. I just made that a verb. That's how you employee, all right? That's how you do it. The same heart behind it. How are you at your job? Are you like that person that's only doing it whenever the person walks in and you're like, hey, hey, right? Or are you completely ethical behind, behind the scenes? Are you completely honoring to your boss behind the scenes? Because this is how we're supposed to live. Don't just do your job like everyone else is doing their job. Don't just work by way of eye service and people pleaser. Work as an employee of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Who are you, who, who are you working for, right? I'm talking to Sway. He, dude, part, whoever it is that's your boss, I'm, I'm guessing you probably had some beef before. How many of us have had that with our bosses, right? Yeah, yeah. But does it say if they treat you with respect, honor them? Yeah. If it's to say that, no. It's saying, hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You walk in a way in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Let them worry about themselves. You just walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Colossians 3.23 says this. I'll just throw this in. Work willingly at whatever job you do. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Look, if you got some hard bosses, if you got some hard employers, write this down and put it on your mirror before you go to work. Because... Guys, just like our kids don't want to just automatically do the right thing, we don't either. We actually would, like, we, we see Jesus say, you have heard it said, eye for an eye. But I say, like, forgive. We want to go, like, we see everything around us go, no, I'm going to give him eye for an eye. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do today, right? Guys, we're all... We all have the flesh jumping out at us all the time. And it's really easy to give into it when everybody else around you is doing that. It's very, very easy to do that. It's very, very hard to work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. But we need to remember that. Guys, I promise God can do so much with that heart. He can change other hearts with that heart. Remember that. The principle is timeless in that. And then he turns to the masters in the room and this is where we'll end. He says this, masters do the same to them. You can just imagine being in the room for a second. Right? I'm sure the masters are like looking at the bond servants and be like, you listening to this? Right? And then all of a sudden he's like, masters? And then the bond servant's like, you listen to this? Get ready, right? Masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Can you imagine the air in the room? <laughs> when that was said, right? He literally just said, there is no difference between you and your slave. He just said that out loud. He actually said, if you think about it, actually you're both slaves to the same master. And that's Jesus. That's God. And this goes back to what Trevor talked about on Wednesday night, doesn't it? That we're all made in the image of God. Every single one of us has amazing, amazing value as human beings 
We're all made in the image of God, and therefore there is no greater value placed on one human over another. doesn't matter what position you are in. You might be a parent. You might be a child. You might be a slave. You might be a master, a husband, a wife, an employee, an employer, a tenant, or a landlord. Hello. All right? Guys, it all is about the heart. Everything is about the heart. We have a tenant and a landlord all in the room right now. <laughs> Look, you guys now know how to treat each other, okay? Okay. Guys, that's the heart behind it though, right? What's the overarching principle? Honor God in your relationships. And the way you honor him is by honoring others. Honoring those placed above you. Honoring those placed below you. This is how you walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.